Um, if you can just find, I'm actually preaching off uh, the temp- J- Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. So if you want to find the passage, which is Luke 4, 1 to 14. And we'll just start with a little video clip. Beloved son, this is my beloved son. Where's he going? There are battles which have to be fought alone. Come on. talk. <laughs> Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. Um, but actually, I wanted to give it a more kind of a better title. So I've come with, I want to make it practical. So I've come with how to overcome, because we, we do need to overcome. Yeah, yeah this passage um, not only appears in Luke, but it appears in Matthew. And it's, why is it there? It's important. It appeared twice. You know, it was, to t- it was there to help us. It showed it was, it was a preparation for Jesus for his ministry. It's also there to show us that Jesus' humanness. Yeah. He, he was human and to show how he struggled. 
It is there to show us how he beat the devil. Because he did. He overcame. And that temptation will happen to us. The devil will come. But it is possible to resist the devil. And this passage tells us how to do it. Before we get any further, I just want to say to you, temptation is not a sin. I think sometimes we, we think, oh, you know, I'm sinning. It's actually not, because it says in Hebrews 4.15, Jesus was tempted in every way, but was without sin. It's actually giving in to that sin. What I've heard referred to as the second look. So you get, you get the first thought, the first look, or whatever it is. But actually, if you dwell on it, if you go back to it, that's where you have temptation. So we're going to look at the passage. Um, I'm going to break it up into bits. So, so Luke 4, 1 to 2 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. So Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. As a result of his baptism, the um, film clip showed you the Holy, him being filled with the Holy Spirit. But he was also, it says he was led by the Spirit. He didn't just wander there by chance. That was where he was meant to be. And this was all part of God's plan to prove that his son was able to overcome the devil. It all says in that passage, for 40 days he was tempted. So we often think of these temptations, you know, these, he was just these three temptations. But for the first 40 days, there were those niggling doubts where the enemy kind of niggles at you. You've probably had them yourself. And he fasted for those days. I love the fact he says he ate nothing at the end. He was hungry. Just in case you thought that he might not be. <laughs> you know, this is his humanness. He was human. He's not, it wasn't superhuman. He was hungry. For those who've done a 40-day fast, I can't put my hand up to it. He was. He would have drunk for those 40 days, but without food, that was the limit of his survival for man as well. Um, I did a little search on 40-day fasts. <laughs> they, they come up a few times, dietary things. The, the most bizarre one was recommending if you have a worm infestation, 40-day fast is quite a good thing to get rid of your worms because you starve them. It, it was quite grim. <laughs> Don't recommend it to try. Um, it was a big, it, this whole thing was a big testing of the devil. It says, in both Matthew and Luke, it says the devil came to Jesus. It was like a culmination, the climax of those 40 days, at the end of the 40 days. Then the devil comes in person. So, next passage. So, three says, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written... Man shall not live on bread alone. If you are, you see that, the son of God, he was questioning Jesus' identity. He's saying, tell that stone to become bread. He didn't, he didn't come and ask him to do that in the first 40, you know, before that 40 day. He didn't say to him on day one or two, have a bit of bread, because Jesus was strong. He waited till he was absolutely starving. 
and that food was a necessity for him. And Jesus could do it. He could turn the stone into bread. And he would do greater miracles. Interestingly, one of his first miracles that we hear about is he turns water into wine. Which was, and it was a very unselfish thing he did in turning water into wine. He, it was for someone else. It was for a wedding. Whereas here, it would have been a very selfish thing. It was for his needs only. But he refused Even in his weakness of hunger, he said no. Uh, We can often look at Adam, Adam and Eve's temptation. If we compare it with that, they had fellowship with God. They had fellowship with each other. They had an abundance to eat in the garden. And they were just told, they ate the one thing they were told not to. And in contrast, Jesus had no food. He had no human contact But he still resisted. He was obedient to God. He said, man shall not live on bread alone. From Deuteronomy 8.3, that is. It's when the Israelites were in the desert and they were given the miraculous manna from God daily. And Jesus is saying to the devil, it's God who provides my daily food. It's not for me to seek, for me to do it myself. It's from God. Jesus knew what he needed to feed himself on. And he had control of his appetites as a result of being full of the Holy Spirit. So I've got questions to ask you. These are challenges. What are you feeding yourself on? Are you in control of your appetites? Maybe you're feeding yourself on TV Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, any social media you can get your hands on. Maybe it's pornography or gaming or food. Maybe it's physically food you're feeding on, that you're not in control of your appetite. Steve, can you do a run? (laughs) Steve's just going to share a testimony. Being in control of our appetites is one of the one of the key things. You can see Jesus was able to overcome that temptation. For me, The various temptations that have been challenges for me um, have been in this area. So when I was uh, 10 or 11 years old, all the way through uh, right until university, my appetites in various areas were the key area that I felt tempted in, particularly in the whole sexual area. Right from being uh, 10 years old, there were things in my mind that were spinning around that were a huge challenge to me. And I used to go through these cycles of guilt and, and kind of being through it and God's fine, oh, everything's okay and I'm forgiven and then going through it again. And over and over and over, year after year after year, it was like a massive boulder. Do you remember hearing about that? Massive boulder. I just couldn't shift. I couldn't clear out of the way. And um, something was come up already about people feeling guilt, hanging, guilt hanging over them, something that, that Graham was saying. The point of what we're saying today is you can overcome that because of Jesus, because of his overcoming. The, the kinds of things that were spinning through my mind were the kind of things that you wouldn't want in a teacher or a church leader or a potential principal of a Christian school. They were not good things. And I was dwelling on them. I was sinning, having had those kinds of temptations. One of the biggest things that helped me get free from them um, was when I read the Bible. And I discovered some wonderful things about Jesus beating temptation. 
And well, I discovered that it says you confess your sins to God and he'll, be, he'll, be, he'll forgive you. He will forgive you. Again, that came out. God is here and he wants to bring forgiveness to you. That was great. But you know what? I still went through these cycles and I wasn't getting clear. I wasn't getting clear. And then I read this passage in James. It says this. Confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. And a revelation hit me. There was part of the fullness of creation was in me. I'm a fallen human being. I'm not only tempted, that's not a sin, but in the response to the temptation, that's where I need to be healed. And as I confessed specific things, things I would not have wanted to confess or open up to the specific nature of the things that were going through my head, when I, I spoke to people I trusted and people who were discipling me, people, I care, people who cared about me, even in a particular meeting, there was one meeting, I just felt the challenge of the Holy Spirit over me. And I just felt not condemnation, but conviction hitting me that I needed to go to somebody at the front and say, I just need to say this to you, and then can you pray for me? By doing those things, confessing to others, other Christians, I found healing started to flow in, and I started to get out of those cycles of my thinking and into new cycles of thinking, not doing the second looks, not doing those, those things that would allow me to end up going down the wrong pathway. But I started to get free. I started to get healed of the deep-seated issues that were in my life that allowed me to always fall at those kinds of temptations. Jesus wants to help us overcome our appetites. And years on from that, do you know what? I still get tempted in the same kind of ways. Shame that, isn't it? It'd be so much easier if then the devil tried some other things. He does this. He's got the same tactics. But do you know what I've got now? Some strategies. <laughs> I know God loves me. I know God's forgiven me. And I know, and he, the devil knows as well, because I keep telling him, if I do this, I'm going to have to confess it to somebody. And actually, that helps me to not want to do that, because <laughs> I don't want to have to go there again. Because it was painful, and it was difficult. But God's going to help me continue to overcome, and God wants to help you to overcome your appetites too. So the second... Run back. Second uh, temptation is in uh, verses 5 to 8. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world and said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be all, it will be, all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written... Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He showed him all the kingdoms. He offered him authority and splendor. Um, Actually, the clip showed it. And in the New English translation, it says, and the glory that goes with it. You know, the worship, the adoration of others. And he's saying they're mine to give. And yes, they were because of Adam's sin. They'd been given to the devil But actually, they were gods, really. Ultimately, they were father. And through Jesus' death, he was going to claim it back, claim all of it back. So the enemy was saying, so if you worship me, it'll be yours. But what really he's saying at the end of that is, and you will be mine. It would have involved a submission to the devil, The devil tried to persuade Jesus to escape that hard path of obedience and suffering by bypassing the cross. So my challenging question to you is, who are you worshipping 
Or what are you worshipping? Who are you serving? In our day and age, the adverts are all me, me, me. Have it your way. Do it how you want. But are you wasting time on yourself, on your money, on your own expectations, on your plans, maybe your work, your degree, your friends and family? And I want you to hear me right in this. I'm not saying that you shouldn't uh, spend time, you know, you shouldn't spend the time with, on these things, but it's where do they come in relation to God? Are they the things that, you're, that you are worshipping? Are they more important? Steve, last week, um, talked about acting righteously in your job. He he used it from the passage where John the Baptist is talking to the tax collectors. And he doesn't say, stop your job. He just says, be righteous in it. It was all about change of heart. And this is what God's saying here. you You want a change of heart in your attitude to things. Or maybe... It's not that you're worshipping. Maybe you're seeking a, um, praise. You need praise from people. Like Jesus had the opportunity to be, to get praise. Maybe you're seeking approval from everyone except God. And I know, for me personally, that's something I struggle with. You know, I often um, need, need that people to say, you're doing all right. Um, it's okay. Actually, even this conversation with me preaching, about preaching today, I spoke to Steve and said, I've had this invite, and I just hoped he'd say no. And he went, yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> You'll be good. Um, and I, I kind of, I wanted his approval. I wanted him to say yes, but I didn't want him to say yes. Um, but here I am. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I need that. But I need to know that, actually, whatever you guys think of my talk, it doesn't really matter. You know, that's not, yeah, hopefully... You get something out of it. But it's not, it shouldn't ultimately be what fills me up. It should be what God, what God is saying. If God says, you've hit the mark, Tammy, you've done, yes, you've done what I've asked of you. Or if God says, no, you missed it here. That's where my, I should be seeking. I'll put my slide up now. But maybe it's like this. <laughs> I just quite like that one. It's not talking about Twitter. I actually want you to follow me. <laughs> So, you should be investing time and energy in your relationship with your relationship with God, and not just following Him on your phone or your app. It's actually giving everything to Him. So, the final temptation was is verse nine. It says the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard uh, guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. There it is again, the if you're the son of God. It's that identity. Are you really his son? If you are, just prove it. Throw yourself down. And they'll catch you. The angels will catch you. He's quoting from Psalm 91. But the devil starts thinks, oh, Jesus quotes scripture at me. I'll quote some at you. But he misquotes it. That wasn't it. 
What he's asking, he's saying, force God to do a miracle to prove it. So he has to do a spectacular rescue. So it attracts attention. Can you imagine it? Attract all this attention. And then what would happen? People, the wrong people would be following Jesus for all the wrong reasons. Jesus' response. Devil, clear off. That's really what he's saying. <laughs> he says, don't put the Lord your God to the test. And in one sense, he's, he's, we see it as, don't test the Father. It's not right to test Father God. But he's also saying in it, I've had enough of your identity thing of who, who you think I am. Don't test me. He's saying enough, yeah. you know. So my challenge is, are you testing God? Are you bargaining with God, saying, if you love me, you'd do this? Are you making him do a spectacular rescue on you? He may rescue you, but are you deliberately making a choice? Are you testing to see how much he loves you? Or are you twisting the Bible, as the devil did, to, fit, to make it fit with what you want? There's only actually one place in, um, about where it talks about testing God. And God says in Malachi 3:10, test me and see. But he's not talking about these kind of testing. He's talking about tithing. He's talking about giving financially. <laughs> Maybe that's for next week. <laughs> test me. Test God next week with your finances. Don't test him any other way. And Luke, uh, th- verse 13 said, when the devil had finished, he left until an opportune moment. So the devil's still lurking. The devil waited and lurked around Jesus. That shows you he was there waiting. And he's, he's, he's waiting around us. He doesn't choose times when you're strong. He will choose times when you're weak. But are you able to bat him away? The answer is yes. Yes, we can. We are. Because we can learn so much from Jesus here, from this passage. How do we overcome that temptation? Because they will come. If you have never been tempted, praise God. <laughs> May I just shake by the hand? It will come, though. And for those of us who have, you know, it is. But these are verses that will help. Hebrews 2:18 says, "Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He understands, and he can help. Hebrews 5:8 says, "Through his suffering, Christ learned obedience. We can learn obedience through it. That's often part of the reason they come. To see how are we going to obey God in it. Uh, Hebrews 4, quite a lot of Hebrews, it's good book for encouraging. Um, 15 to 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. 
Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I loved that verse. Because he was tempted and overcame. Because of that, we can come to his throne. Not feeling guilty, but we can come and we can receive the grace when we are asking for forgiveness. And it will come. When we need it, we can go to that throne. Because Christ overcame. I am in Christ. I need to remember this. I am in Christ. You are in Christ. I can overcome. You may need to tell yourself this. When you are tempted, you might have to say, I can overcome. In the process of resisting, I am overcoming. (laughs) And when you've come out the other side, I have overcome. But equally, you can say, I have overcome at the beginning as well, because it's all there. It's about this is my identity. I am in Christ. This is who you are for eternity. uh, Sorry, Romans 8 says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We can conquer it. We can stand against it. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. There are no new ones. The devil doesn't have anything new. If you look around, someone else next in this room will have the same temptation you do. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, there you go, it is, it will happen again. He will provide a way out so you can stand up under it. There is a way out. This, is, this passage is about faith. You've got to believe it. You've got to believe that you can stand up under it. That he does give a way out. There is no point in, in sitting there and going, oh, but I can't get out of this sin, you know, this cycle. You, God will provide you a way out. You have, to, you have to take that step of faith. You have to seek him. You can't do the woe is me. I'm just going to crawl up, uh, you know, roll up into a ball and hide. Because it won't go away. I've tried those ones of burying your head in the sand. Things just don't disappear. Um, you have to just trust, seek him and trust him. Verse 14 says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. I know this wasn't part of my thing. But having overcome the devil, he went from being full as he walked into the desert to in power. It's like he was full. Like for us, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit if we are going to overcome. So that when we have overcome, we can go out in power. And even this morning I was reading and just read it. It's about being empowered. You know, Jesus entered the desert. He was tempted. He left empowered to do the ministry that he'd been called to. And it's like for us, we, when we have overcome those temptations, when we have pushed it aside, we will be empowered 
to go and do what God wants for us as individuals and as a church. So there are some practical things that you can do just to really help yourself. The first one I can't stress anymore is discipleship. That is having someone who will stand alongside you, who you can be honest with, who will pray with you, who will be praying for you, who you can be accountable to in those times. The other one is to avoid that second look. Just, you know, you may need to. James talks about resisting the devil and he will flee from you. And it may be that to do with your temptation, you have to flee in the opposite direction. You might physically have to get yourself out of it. And I think probably the most important one is read your Bible. Because <laughs> if you've got this, you want to be able to do what Jesus did. You want to quote scripture at the devil. Jesus knew his. It must have been important. So in recap, those questions I threw out to you. What are you feeding on? Are you in control of your appetites? Who are you worshipping? Who are you serving? Who are you seeking praise from? And how are you testing God? Steve and I, last last Sunday actually, um, both had dreams. Can you share yours, Steve? These were quite significant dreams. Um, which one you guess? That, yeah. that we that just as soon as we started sharing them, we just, I just felt like these are for next week. We've had it a couple of times where we both dream about the same thing in the same night, and we don't ever dream about that thing before. And on this occasion, I woke up and Tammy said, "I had this really weird dream about a double-decker bus." And I went, "No," because <laughs> I had a dream about a double-decker bus, and we hadn't been watching um, summer holiday or something the night before. <laughs> It literally was out of the blue dreaming about double-decker buses. And Tammy's one consisted of a double-decker bus spinning and going out of control if it kept heading in, the, in a certain direction. And my one was, I was driving a double-decker bus with Tammy next to me, um, and I was looking down at, ahead and um, not feeling in control of where this bus was going. Tammy was very calm, and, and then the, the bus started to veer off onto the grass. And I was saying, I'm sorry, we're losing control. Um, we're going to crash. But then I managed to bring it back onto the road again. Phew, it's going to be all right. Then started heading down this hill. And realised it had been snowing and it was icy everywhere. And there was no way I could control it. I couldn't put my foot on, a, on the brake. And it just was going and going and going. And I, I couldn't do anything about it. And I ended up spinning the bus around. The same thing that was happening in, in Tammy's stream. Spinning the bus around. And it bus backing in um, to, to this, uh, this field. Because it was a really sharp corner. And um, managed to kind of survive. By back, turning, spinning the whole thing around and facing in the opposite direction. Which, to me, was picturing all that Steve was talking about, about repentance last week, actually. Do you remember repentance? Metanoia? Turning around? Changing your mind? Um, and it was a sense of, as it backed onto the grass, I could then see these people around me. And it was all the leaders of the Oxford Church in the dream. And they were all getting metal things and old toys, old playthings, things that they didn't need anymore. And they were putting them on this huge, great bonfire. In this, in this kind of snow, it seemed like, oh, surely this is the wrong time to be doing it. But they were resolute, and, they were, and there was things, I, and I was thinking, let's get all this stuff off this bus, because I realised there was a lot of stuff on the bus. And I was even thinking, actually, even this bus, just needs, all of this needs to go on this great big bonfire. And it's just a really powerful moment. And having, we were in the process of obviously preparing for today, 
And I just felt God wanted to say, it's time to just chuck all that stuff away and stick it on the bonfire, guys. All this stuff that's been holding you back that's potentially going to spin you out of control, it's time now to get rid of it. Now's the time to deal with it. Now's the time to get rid of that boulder. I think now's the time. Yeah, I just want to challenge you with superficial change won't do. It's actually radical change I think God is calling for. It's time to get rid of it. Because you can be free from it. But it's time to make that radical change.